0: argument could be settled once and for all when the biggest and most scientific exploration to date gets underway. Operation Deep Scan is led by the veteran Nessie hunter Adrian Shine and in a moment we'll be speaking to him and the man who's made the most recent sighting of the monster. First though let's have a look at this report from Gary Imlac.
1: To believers Loch Ness is the home of the world's most famous monster. To skeptics just a monster-sized myth and years of claimed sightings have only deepened the mystery. the most scientific of all the Nessie hunts so far. Operation Deep Scan, which gets underway next month. The expedition will be led by Loch Ness veteran Adrian Shine. On a previous hunt in 1982, the team made 40 positive sonar contacts, showing something or things down there. If these contacts are animals, then these are... 1982 contacts were made using a scanning sonar, which gave a wide field of cover but also had its drawbacks. These included the possibility of the sonar beam being deflected by changes in the water temperature. There was also the chance of freak readings being returned from the side of the loch. Operation Deep Scan will carry out a number of scientific studies at Loch Ness and it will be better equipped with a newly developed echo sounder which throws a beam straight downwards. That way it should be possible to get a clearer idea of what's lurking beneath the surface, whether it's simply shoals of fish or something more unusual. Twenty of the specially equipped boats will draw a sonar curtain along the lochs 22 miles, and unless Nessie has a secret hidey hole, she should show up on the computer. But the monster isn't known for being cooperative, and previous hunts have revealed only a crashed Wellington bomber and a less impressive selection of freshwater life. Whatever the truth of what lies beneath the water, above it the Nessie myth is still thriving, 14 centuries after it first surfaced. And as far as the locals are concerned, it will take more than sophisticated sonar to convince them otherwise.
0: Well, Adrian, is the man who's now in charge of that sophisticated sonar. Good morning. Good morning. What makes you really, really believe that there is something there worth spending all this money and time going after?
2: I don't, but I think it's a very intriguing possibility and we've been looking uh, at various aspects of Loch Ness for quite a long time.
0: Do you think that now with this improved sonar equipment, just as we were having explained beautifully there, I thought, um, do you think now that we really will be able to say, well, if you don't find it this time, there isn't I
2: won't really be able to. What we're looking at are the same looking for and the same sonar contacts we got in 1982, the ones that we've just been looking at. Um, If I can find them in the deep mid-water, if we can say that they really are there and they really are in midwater and not subject to all those things, misleading effects that we've been looking at, and then we'll be able to go on to the next stage, which is to use other equipment still. But at, at best, I hope for a good experiment.
0: How much is it all going to cost?
2: Well, it's not really costing that much, in that a lot of the services are given voluntarily. The motor cruisers come from a, a large... For nothing, the sonars are all coming from America, uh, but the Highlands and Islands Development Board are picking up the tab for some of the logistic costs.
1: How much? Um. Well,
2: I really think it's a silly way of describing an expedition. If I could say a million.
0: A million.
2: Mm. That is in material so, commitment. Some
0: people may say that's an awful waste of money. That's all. Look, looking for a monster that probably isn't
2: there. Ah, but we're doing a lot more than looking for monsters, aren't we? Uh, to begin with, it does no harm to use um, the cruisers it does no harm to promote, perhaps, um, holidays in Scotland. No, it does very well for
0: tourism, doesn't it? (laughs) There's no harm in that. Well, talking of that, let's go up to Ronald McLennan, who's in Glasgow this morning, and uh, saw the monster, I think, in July, didn't you, Mr McLennan? Yes. What did you see?
3: Uh, On the the 24th of uh, July, I was sitting in my room looking out directly onto the loch. Now, the following day we were having a World Clan gathering of McLennan's and Logan's. So the Clan Secretary came into the room to discuss this with me and Luke said, look out there at Tor Point. And here was the monster, four of its great big humps, quite clearly uh, moving around for about three or four minutes. It really was a marvelous view. And Lily, the Secretary, it was, she'd lived indoors for 36 years imagine the tremendous excitement and a hard part.
0: Yes, I mean, you live with your, your windows overlooking the uh, loch.
3: How many times have you
0: seen the monster? I would say five times. And do you think it's the same monster you've seen?
3: No, no, I would say quite definitely there's been sightings at uh, in different points of the loch at the same time. And uh, we do feel, uh, uh, quite a lot of local people, there's a family of them. Mm. But quite often you find a great disturbance in the loch and uh, nothing appears at all. And some uh, old man says, you know, that must be the young ones trying to get up. Now,
0: Mr. McKinnon, a lot of cynics might say that it does awfully well for tourism in your area to keep this myth alive. You're not into that... uh
3: are you? No, in our little village of doors, we don't uh, deal with the tourists at all. We live our normal life. We don't have any facilities for them. It's just part of life. You know, I think a good illustration is uh, about two or three years ago. Our children were, uh, came running into the house, and Auntie Margaret, Auntie Margaret, this is to my wife. Come and see this big monster. And they saw the great big monster going down. And my wife and the local doctor and a few other people watched the the wash and the disturbance for a long, long time, because there's always this terrific displacement of water which uh, indicates the monster is around.
0: Now, you've enjoyed it when you've seen the monster, but I know that some people who have actually had experiences of seeing the monster have uh, lived uh, to... Well, in fact, they haven't lived, have they? They've had... Uh, pretty awful things have happened to them.
3: Yes, yeah, so there is, it was a man who uh, stays quite near, or uh, he died uh, uh, recently quite near us and he had two encounters with the, the monster in the one day, he was a professional fisherman and I think it's been written a great deal about, he, he would go out to the, on the water again after that incident good stuff.
0: I just ought to explain, before we say thank you very much to you, that uh, you're a, a clan chief, which is why we're calling you the MacLennan of MacLennan. Yes, Isn't that right? You. Yes, thank you. Well, thanks very much for joining us this morning, and I hope that next time you see Nessie, you give him our special love, and that we would very much like to capture him on camera, please.
2: I'll do my best.
0: A last word from our expert down here in London. I mean, it must be so frustrating, because you haven't seen it yet. Oh,
2: not at all. And there you've got um, somebody out,
0: Mr. MacLennan, who's seen it five times. Um,
2: well, yes, if that had been a tourist giving you that description i would have said a boat wake mm. but mr mclennan lives right on the channel where most of the boat traffic t- takes place so what are you going to do about it here you have uh, me a little skeptical about photographs and things like that um, quite skeptical even about my own sonar results and there you have an unambiguous record from a local man what are you going to do about it In a way, isn't it simpler and isn't it fairer rather than talking about the psychology of perception, whether or not it was a boat wake, isn't it simpler just to go and look?